Well, good morning. It's great to see you all this morning. Thank you for coming today, this post-Thanksgiving Sunday, uh, pre-Christmas season Sunday. I don't know. We're in this weird in-between time, right? So now we can talk about Christmas, right? Now that Thanksgiving's over, uh, we have the approval, I guess. But it's good to have you all. Thank you for coming. For those that are visiting, it's good to, to see you, to meet you. I'm glad you're worshiping with us this morning. We are... Uh, going to conclude a two-part sermon today. Last week we looked at um, the danger of forgetting from Deuteronomy chapter 8. You know, Thanksgiving is a time where we stop and we reflect on just the goodness of God, all the things that we're grateful for in life, right? And you, you take time to just stop and just thank God, you know, but every day really should be Thanksgiving for the believer. There's things that we can be thankful for every single day. Uh, and we talked about that last week. In particular, we talked about the danger that comes with forgetting God's past deliverances in the hard times of life. You ever been through a hard time and then all of a sudden you forget that this isn't the first hard time that you've experienced. You've had other ones in the past, but God has always been faithful. faithful. He's always seen you through those past hard times. Amen? You're here today. God's brought you through them. But we always tend to forget when the hard times hit that God is still good, He's still faithful, He's still sovereign, He'll still carry us through the hard times. But there is a danger in forgetting. And uh, as we mentioned last week, you know, history is there to teach us things. In particular, the, the history of the nation of Israel. We have our Bibles, you open it up to the Old Testament, you read about the nation of Israel primarily. They, they're they're the, the main nation that God's dealing with throughout history, and he shows us a lot about himself and how he interacts with his people and a lot about uh, God's people. And there's a lot that you can learn about how God works, who God is, about how we respond to God and things like that. And Paul said in the New Testament that these things were written, the history of Israel, for an example for us. They were, it was written as an example for us that we might learn from the lessons of the nation of Israel and their successes and their failures, more prominently their failures. And there's a lot that we can learn. Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you're not there already this morning, we're going to just spend a few moments this morning finishing up this chapter of Deuteronomy chapter 8 and seeing the second danger that uh, Moses warns the nation of Israel about, and that is the danger of forgetting God's gracious provisions in the good times of life. Just as there's a danger and just forgetting, oh yeah, God's faithful. This is a hard time and it, it's not fun. I'm suffering. God's faithful though and he's going to see me through. There's a danger in saying, oh, things are good now. God has brought me through. I'm in the promised land and there's an abundance. Well, now there's this danger of forgetting that it's God who provides for us, right? God's gracious provisions are what we live by this morning. Can we just spend a few moments in prayer uh, as we begin? I'll, I just have uh, the Ramutos around my heart this morning. You guys know Mark and Kara. Uh, uh, Amanda uh, is their daughter, and her husband, Shane Fitzsimmons. Um, they just recently learned, I think just a couple weeks ago, that Shane's mother has cancer, and it was just kind of a quick thing, and I just got word that she passed away last night. So... The Ramutos and then uh, 
their daughter Amanda, her husband, and the kids. Uh, so they had explained to the grandkids um, that Shane's mother passed away just last night. You know, you never know wh- what happens in life. They, just a few weeks ago, I think she was fine. There was, they didn't know anything, and here she is with the Lord today. Life can change rather quickly, can't it? And uh, we just need the Lord every single moment of the day. Let's just pray for, for um, the Fitzsimmons family and, and the Ramutos and in our time this morning. God, we want to come before you and lift up our praise and thanksgiving first and foremost. You are a great God. You're good all the time. You never leave us. You never fail us. You're faithful. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your continual presence in our lives. We just want to lift up to you the Fitzsimmons this morning, Lord. Mark and Kara's daughter and uh, son-in-law, their family, as as, uh, Shane's mother is now in your presence. Kind of suddenly, and I know the family's reeling, and uh, especially the grandkids, they're trying to process all this, but we pray that you, as the God of all comfort, would comfort them in their time, that you would uh, wrap your arms around them and give them grace um, for their time uh, of need here this morning, Lord. I just want to lift up Opal this morning for you as well, as she's uh, recovering from uh, just a a minor accident, and so we just lift her up to you and the Ridland family and... uh, all those uh, that know her and love her, and thank you for bringing her here to us, Lord, in Burleson. So we just lift up her to you as well. And there's a lot of others this morning that I'm sure are suffering, find themselves in a difficult time of life, uh, especially around the holidays. Uh, our country is uh, kind of still in a mess. Um, there are tragedies suffered across the, our nation in particular people that, uh, whose lives have been lost recently, this senseless evil violence in Colorado. Um, our hearts go out to these families. It's hard to, to understand what it would be like to go through something like that in this time. So we just lift them up to you, Lord. Help us as we open up your word. We welcome your Holy Spirit to challenge our hearts, to, uh, to prod our thinking about these things concerning you and and the danger of forgetting, Lord. We do. We're prone to wander. We're prone to forget. And so we need your continual reminder every day. We thank you, God, for this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, just five dangers um, that I think we all face when times are good in life. The first one is found in verses 7 through 9 of Deuteronomy chapter 8, and that is There's a danger in taking for granted the good land that God has given us. Look at 7 through 9 of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses is telling the nation of Israel, by the way, context here, in case you weren't here last week, the nation of Israel has already wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience to God. God told them to go and take the the promised land of Canaan. Remember that? God said, there's a good land, I've given it to you, go take it. And they said, uh, no thanks, we can't do it, there's giants there. They failed to, to obey God's command to go and take the land and possess it. And so they found themselves wandering for 40 years in the wilderness as a direct result of their disobedience. There's a lot of lessons that God wanted to teach Israel through that time. And now they're about to go in and possess the land, finally, after all these years. And so Moses reminds them again. He already told them, look, there's a, there's a danger in forgetting God's past deliverances in the hard times. And he told them, look back and remember all the miracles that God performed, right? 
parting of the Red Sea, delivering them out of uh, slavery from Egypt after 400 years, uh, destroying the Egyptians who were pursuing them after they fled, so, leading the, the, the nation by a pillar of fire at night and a, and a cloud by day. It's miraculous the things that they witnessed, these two to three million Israelites. But yet they still grumbled and they complained and they feared and they disobeyed because they forgot that God has delivered them before and here they are grumbling and complaining again. Well, now he's saying, as you go into this good land, you're about to possess it. There's going to be an abundance. There's going to be some dangers. And one is that you're going to take the land for granted. Verse 7 says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of streams of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage, in which you will lack you will not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. So Moses is saying, hey, this promised land is, is good land. God was about to give it to the nation of Israel. And they were going to have every natural resource they would ever need in life. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that quite the contrast from the desert, right? Where there was nothing in the desert. He's saying that this land has water. He says that it's, it's streams of water and fountains and springs flowing out of the valleys and hills. Does that sound like a desert to you? <laughs> it sounds like the opposite, right, of a parched, dry land. He's saying there's an abundance of water. And they needed water to sustain human life, to sustain livestock, the crops. All of that was necessary, necessary and God said there's an abundance of water. It was abundance in agricultural produce. He says grains and wheat and barley and fruit and grapes and figs and olive from olive trees and honey. Sounds like the desert, doesn't it? They had none of that in the desert. And now they're going to have all of this. Did you know that they've discovered minerals, iron, and copper in the hills south of the Dead Sea? So it's kind of like, you know, a, a validation of the biblical account of history when they still find those minerals in that region today. God was about to give them a good land where they'd have an abundance of everything. And it's, it's the exact opposite of the desert, of the wilderness. Had they not experienced the wilderness, though, do you think they would have really appreciated all that God was about to give them? Had they not learned to trust God in the desert for just the basic essentials of life, just clothing and food and water? they wouldn't have learned to trust him in an abundance that the promised land provided. Does that make sense? Sometimes we need to go without, don't we? When you, when you show yourself faithful in the little things, that's what I think the principles here is here. When you show yourself faithful in the small things, the little things that God has given you, God just may trust you with more. And I think that's a biblical principle. And I think the key word in all this is stewardship. We talked about this in our ABF this morning a little bit. And I think that's what Jesus was teaching in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. If you recall this parable, the uh, servants were gathered, three servants were gathered, and their master was about to go on a, on a long journey, it says. And he gave them all differing amounts of what the, he calls his possessions. 
The master says, here are my possessions or my talents that I'm going to entrust you with while I'm away on a journey. To one he gave five talents, to one he gave two, and to one he gave one. Do you remember this parable? And he says, steward my possessions while I'm away. Steward the talents, steward the talents that I'm giving you. I'm entrusting these to you as I'm away on this journey. Well, upon the master's return from the journey, as you recall, the servants were called to give an account of what the, Lord, the, the master gave them and how they handled his possessions. And to the ones who took good care of the possessions, two of the three, he said, and we are very familiar with this passage, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I think that's something that as a, a follower of Jesus, we all long to hear. But we need to understand that this is something that God calls us to be faithful in so that we can hear these words from our faithful master. Warren Wiersbe writes about this passage. He says, the parable of talents teaches us to be faithful, to use our different gifts as God gives us opportunities to serve. Some people have a great deal of ability so God gives them greater opportunity. The important thing is not how much ability you have, but how faithful you are to use what you have for the Lord. Amen? Thank you. And the person with the least ability, if he or she is faithful, will receive the same reward as the most gifted church leader. God doesn't play favorites. God's not looking for flamboyance. God's not looking for, you know, uh, extravagance. God's not looking for, you know, anything other than faithfulness to what he's given you. Canaan was a good land that God was going to provide for his people. But let's not forget whose land this is. This is God's land. This is God's promised land that he was giving to the nation of Israel. And so they did finally conquer and enter the promised land that God gave them. But they weren't the best stewards of it. If you continue to read on, he says, go and possess the land of Canaan. He actually gave her measurements. He actually told them all the boundaries in the areas that they were to go in and possess. And guess what? They didn't go in and possess it all. They got most of it. But he also commanded them to get rid of some of the pagan inhabitants of the land. But guess what else they didn't do? They didn't rid the land of all the inhabitants. So when you think about it, God says, go and possess all the land. They went in and they failed to possess all the land. They failed to obey God in some of the commands that he gave them. So they didn't experience all that God had promised them about the promised land. Isn't that interesting? And that's why it, this was an unconditional covenant of the Old Testament. If you recall, when God gave this promise, it was unconditional. I am going to give you this promised land. And it wasn't conditioned on whether or not they were going to obey or not. God was going to give it to the nation of Israel. Now, that generation of that nation of Israel didn't possess the land. The ones that were disobedient before they went in, they didn't even get to possess it. But now this faithful generation is going in to possess it, but then they wouldn't even experience all of the, the blessings of it. We still believe today in prophecy that God is still going to fulfill the land promise 
to the nation of Israel one day. It's yet to be fulfilled completely. And we believe, at least I do, maybe you don't, but I do, that God will still make good on the promise for Israel to fulfill that, that promise and, and uh, occupy the land completely. We're still waiting for that. You know, I, see, I do see a parallel, I think, with the church today. We live in a good land, don't we? Don't you, don't you think America is a good land? When you think about it, sometimes we bemoan the, the, the state of our country, and I understand that. There are, we have our problems, right? But we do live in a land that's full of opportunity, guys. We have so many resources here, in America especially. We have freedom in our land today. It's not like that in other parts of the world. I mean, we don't fear persecution. We talked a little bit about that this morning in ABF, and there are different ways that we can be persecuted, right, as believers. And you see that starting in different pockets around the country. But we're not really hindered, are we, honestly, by living out our faith? Is anyone keeping us from living out our faith in this country? Not really. You think about the opportunities that we have. We are going every week on Wednesdays to a public elementary school and having a kids' beach club. Think about this. I don't know who those kids are. They, they steal my phone. The Emersons can vouch for this. Like, where's my phone? And it, I got like a bunch of selfies that these kids are taking. These are part of my small group. Think about this opportunity. Where else? We are going to a public elementary school after school where 30 to 40 or more kids come and we sing and share the gospel and teach them about God in a public school. Do we not have opportunity here? I went to the Philippines several years ago and we went around school after school after school across an entire, you know, uh, different islands and, you know, it was just amazing how the, the access that we had in the Philippines. And I thought, you could never do this in America you can do this in America. It, it may not be as open, but we have opportunity here. Sometimes I think we make excuses and we think, oh, you know, and, and there's an intimidation that the world has, right? They're trying to silence Christians. You can't pray in school, right? You can't, really? Well, actually, you can. Christians can't go in schools and do Bible clubs. Oh, really? Have you heard that? It's... It's, it's illegal. It's separation of church and state, right? You hear that? There's this rhetoric, there's this, this thinking that's pervasive, I think, in Christian circles and with churches. I remember uh, every year around, uh, around election time, I'd get a letter from, from an organization that's for the separation of church and state reminding me that I cannot endorse certain candidates or I am in danger of losing my tax exemption status, right? Have you, have you heard that? That's another, guess what? I mean, you know how many churches have lost their tax-exempt status for endorsing candidates? Zero. But it's an intimidation. It's a spiritual tactic. You can't stand up for what's right. You can't speak out against what, what you know, things that are wrong or what you believe. You've got to keep it silent, right? Stay in your little church and just do your thing and just leave everyone else alone. Folks, we're in a, a land of the free and the home of the brave. Is somebody telling us that we can't go out and share our faith? There's a danger, folks, 
and taking for granted the good land we have. We have opportunity. We have freedom. We have all the resources we could possibly want. Are we taking our country for granted? There's a good question, I think, to ask yourself if you want to know, am I being a good steward of the resources God's given me? Like, we all have a certain amount of of spiritual gifting and of talents and resources and opportunity. Are we taking advantage of the good land and the good opportunity and the good resources God's given me? And the question to ask is, what am I doing then to promote the gospel in my sphere of influence? What am I doing to help bring others to hear the truth concerning Jesus Christ with the gifts and the talents that God has given me? And if the answer is nothing or very little, then maybe we are taking our freedom for granted. There's a second danger in the good times of life, and that is forgetting to keep God's commandments. Who provides the blessings? Look at verses 10 and 11 with me. Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, When you've entered and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. It's interesting that God said, Israel, here's how you can show me that you haven't forgotten me and that I'm the one that's providing this good land for you. Here's how you can do it. Obey me. We talked about this last week. Obey my laws. In the context here, God's referring to the Mosaic law. They were still under the Mosaic law in this time. But that's a proper response to when God has blessed you, he's given you abundance, that's the response. You should say, Lord, what, what would you have me to do? Rodmacher, Earl Rodmacher says the proper response to plenty is thanksgiving and worship. It is Jewish custom to pray after certain festive meals because of the phrase, when you have eaten and are full. When you are eaten and are full, what's the first thing you need to do? Bless the Lord. Thank God for the abundance. I imagine that most of you enjoyed a Thanksgiving meal this past week. Maybe you even prayed a little bit more this time around. Maybe you went around and said what you're thankful for. Anybody do that? Just kind of went around and, and thank God. Two people, great, you're thankful. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm sure you did, right? And you, you just spent a little more time thanking God, I suppose. Imagine you, as you sit down at that table, uh, you know, probably put on your comfy, comfy pants as you sit down, wearing your loose clothes and a smile, about to dig in, right? You were about to feast. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for this green bean casserole. Thank you for this sweet potato casserole, which uh, someone told me was their favorite this morning. Uh, Thank you for these mashed potatoes, Lord, that I'm about to shove in my gully. Bless the Lord. Have you ever stopped and and thought, why don't we do that every meal? Why don't we do that every day, like the heart and the gratitude and the thoughtfulness and the thankfulness that surrounds thanksgiving. Why can't that be every day? God, thank you for this provision of this food. 
Thank you for, you know, my family or my health or my job or all the blessings that you provided. God, it's your hand. Why don't we do that every day? And maybe we do in some way, but I think we lose that sense of gratitude. I think that's what it means to live life in light of God's grace. When you understand that everything is a gift from God, it's God's grace, then you will live a thank you life as we call it. Because we're no longer bound by the law, right? We're not under the Mosaic law. Remember, Jesus fulfilled all of the law and the prophets in himself. And so we don't have to uh, surrender to the law. But we are under grace today. Does that mean then that we are lawless people? Because we're under grace, does that mean that God doesn't require us then to obey him? We need to think about this. I think sometimes in our grace circles, we forget that we still have a responsibility to obey. In the Bible, uh, as you read it, is it a book of suggestions? You know, just read it and study it. Oh, it's just there's some abstract propositions here. I might consider those. Is it a book of suggestions now that the grace of God has appeared? Is the Bible authoritative today? Let me ask you that question. Just yes or no. Is the Bible authoritative today? Is the Bible authoritative for your life? Does it govern our lives? You know what Jesus commanded us? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Does that sound like a command? Would you respond with, well, Lord, we're not under law. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's a good suggestion, Lord, but uh, we're not under law. He says that's the greatest commandment. Are we going to say, mm, I, don't, I don't have to obey that command because there's grace? Because we're not under the law doesn't mean that we are lawless. We are under what the New Testament calls the law of Christ. Have you heard that? The law of Christ. We submit to the commands of of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of our life. And what he says, we do. And where he says, we go. And we are to surrender. We are to say, yes, Lord. We submit to the commands of our commanding chief priest, our officer, commanding officer, out of gratitude. Because he's blessed our socks off, hasn't he? Has God blessed you? Think about that. And we do that not out of obligation, but out of gratitude. I think when we come to that place in our life as as believers where we're really grateful for the abundance that God has provided for us, both spiritually and physically, our response should be, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul, (laughs) right, as we would sing. Thank you for all that you've given me. Thank you for this good land, these resources. I have everything that I could ever possibly want. Now, how can I serve you? 1 Corinthians 10 and Colossians 3 tell us, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And Colossians tells us, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you get the message there from the Lord? 
It's whatever you're doing in life, whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you're doing, give thanks. Give thanks to me. Live a thank you life of obedience because that's how you show God that you're grateful. But you have to start now. You can't wait until you have an abundance and then you say, oh, now look what I have. Thank you, Lord. That's not how it works. You thank him for the little you have. You be a good steward of all that he's given you. Your time, your money, your talents, your gifts, your family, your opportunity. Whatever the Lord has provided you here in this good land and has blessed you with. Give to him. And finally this morning, there's one final danger. Well, there's two, three final dangers. It's a misprint. Last thing you want to hear a preacher say is finally, because you know it's like another hour. There is a third danger in forgetting the good that and forgetting that God is the source of the good times. Look at verses twelve to sixteen with me. Moses says, you know, otherwise, like if you forget the Lord and who and God who's providing, otherwise when you eat and are satisfied. And you build good houses and you live in them. And when your herds and your flocks increase and your silver and your gold increase and everything that you have increases, probably your weight too, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Really? He who led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and its thirsty ground where there was no water, he brought you water he brought water for you out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness, it was he who fed you manna, which your fathers did not know. In order to humble you, in order to put you to the test to do good for you in the end. What's he saying? What's Moses telling the people? He's saying it's God who gives prosperity. It's God that delivers us, who delivers us through the hard times of life to enter into the times of prosperity. We talked about this again this morning. You got to come at 9.15. It's really a great study, great interaction. It's God who delivers us through the hard times and enters us into the times of prosperity. You know, my wife and I started out our married life spiritually and um, financially broken so like we had nothing and i and i apologize i talk about my life a lot but it's one that i'm most familiar with so <laughs> i don't know everyone else's life but uh we were newly married uh i was a wandering prodigal child i was not living for jesus i i wanted nothing to do with god's plan for my life shayla did not know the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior when we were first married. And Zachary, our 30-year-old, was just a baby at the time, uh, just, a, just a couple years old. So spiritually, we were bankrupt. Uh, I'd spend the last nine-some years of my life wandering in the wilderness of life, running from God. I was angry. I was resentful. I was tired and broken. I had no joy. I had no peace. Life was a constant struggle. 
know if you've ever been in a place like that, but I remember it vividly. As I mentioned, Shayla didn't even know the Lord, so spiritually she, she was bankrupt too. But physically too, we, we didn't have any money. I wasn't even working. Shayla was working uh, at a gas station, and we were homeless. We were living with her boss and his wife. That's how we started out our marriage. We didn't even have a place to stay. Everything that we had was, could fit, and it was in two black trash bags that were in the backseat of our 83 Cutlass Supreme. Have I mentioned this story? That was our lot. That was what we had physically. Uh, two trash bags in the backseat of our Cutlass Supreme. We had to go out every morning to the car to get our clothes for the day to see what we were going to wear. So we had nothing. We had to hold on to what we got. It didn't make a difference if we made it or not. We had each other, and that was a lot. We were living on a prayer. But then one day, God answered the prayer. Hey, you know my mama's here today? Hi, Mom. My mother and, and my father prayed faithfully for like eight, nine years straight. And through my prodigalness, and they saw that we were struggling. And one day, those prayers were answered. I mean, God, God did. He showed up. He delivered us from our life of wandering. And he began to bless us. We got into uh, government-subsidized housing. And we got food stamps. And uh, we got into that townhome, that government-subsidized townhome, empty. We had two, like, plastic lawn chairs in our living room to sit in. And it was, uh, we ate a lot of hamburger helper. And we had very little, but it was ours, and we were elated. From our perspective, God had brought us to our promised land. It's our, our land flowing with wick milk and honey bought with food stamps. I mean, it was It was great. What was so exciting about our newfound prosperity was this. We knew from where our help came. Because up until that point, we weren't praying. We weren't seeking the Lord. We were doing it our way. We were just trying to make it without God. But something happened in between, and it's called God. And God answered prayers of my parents. God intervened in my life. And God broke through. My wife came to know Jesus as her Savior, and so from the time we were homeless living with her boss, spiritual transformation happened. And God blessed us and started to change our lives, and then He started to provide for us physically. And we just saw that as the hand of God. We were elated. We were excited. God just pouring out blessings on us that we hadn't experienced before. It was so exciting at that time. Remember that. It just made us want to pray more. We started looking to God for more, started giving more, started serving more, and God did not disappoint. God continued to provide. God has always provided for our family. We've never gone without. 
And I think that's the message that Moses had for God's people, the nation of Israel. He's saying when you get in here and you discover that life doesn't get any better than this, especially coming from 400 years of slavery and 40 years of wilderness wandering, you need to remember who is the source of all this prosperity you're experiencing. Don't forget the Lord your God. He's the one that's brought you here. He brought you from a, a desert land where there was no water, what he says, where the only source of water in the desert was when Moses spoke to a rock or hit, struck a rock. That's their source of water, from a rock. That doesn't happen, by the way, scientifically. It's a miracle, right? He brought you from a land where, uh, you know, and uh, from that to a land flowing with rivers, as he said, water in abundance. You went from a land where manna, this bland manna, fell from heaven just enough for each day, just to eat, just to fill your bellies, just to survive. I'm sure they try to get creative with manna. They had probably had manna helper or whatever. I don't know what they're doing out there, but something, a little salt, I don't know, but... Uh, now they're going to have everything they'd ever want. A smorgasbord. No more manna on the menu. Uh, a land with no natural resources in the desert. There, there wasn't anything out in the desert. To a land that's rich in every kind of resource you can imagine. But God did it. God's the one. There was, there was no other way, guys. They would either die in Egypt or they'd die in the desert. They did not live by bread alone. They lived by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord. He wanted them to know that. Because sometimes prosperity has a way of making us think that somehow we are to, uh, to be credited for our prosperity. Look at, uh, that's the fourth danger in thinking that we are the cause for our prosperity. See, God knows people. He knows Israel. He knows the tendency. He knew them, and he said, here's what you're going to be tempted with. Here's the danger. Look out for them. Because he says in verse 17, Otherwise, you may say in your heart, My power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. Isn't that a danger? Isn't that the, the greatest danger for any of us in life is pride? To think that somehow it really was all about me. It's really about all my ingenuity or my strength or my skill or my ability or my experience or my knowledge. And God says, no, I will share my glory with no one. Pride. And that doesn't just apply to material prosperity. I think that can apply to spiritual Success too. Ministry success. Sometimes, maybe more often than we care to admit, we take the credit for spiritual success. Whatever prosperity we enjoy, pride will keep us from realizing that it's all a gift of grace from God. Everything in life is a gift. It's all in our perspective which is what Moses is saying when he tells them, here's the danger, you will say in your heart, in your heart, 
that it's because of me. Notice that Moses didn't warn them about appearing as if they were the source of their priority, you know, uh, uh, of their prosperity. He wasn't saying, hey, there's a danger in you going out and telling everybody, hey, you know, did you see the house that I built? Did you see, you see all the stuff I got, you know? He didn't say that. He said, the danger is that you will think it in your heart. Because there's always a danger of uh, becoming pretty good at faking it, faking gratitude. We've become experts, I think, at, at doing all the work ourselves and then giving God a little nod there at the end, right? Uh, it's like the guy that scores the touchdown and then, you know, thanks the Lord, you know, after he showboats and dances and... <laughs> takes all the credit himself in our hearts do we do we believe that we're doing something apart from god do we do we in our hearts think that somehow the financial prosperity that we find ourselves in maybe you have good health maybe you've got good relationships maybe there's prosperity in your ministry maybe god's blessing you in some way is there a temptation in our heart to think well man i am a pretty faithful person Good thing I've got, you know, the resources here. Good thing I worked all these years, and, and good thing I was a good steward. And, you know, do you see the temptation of putting the uh, focus back on ourselves? God knew that was a temptation. Can you imagine the arrogance of the Israelites? At one time, if you remember, they were crying out to God at one time and said, don't make us go to Canaan because there's giants in there. They were scared. Could you imagine the arrogance if they now entered the promised land and possessed the land and somehow thought in their hearts, man, we sure won that battle, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, look what we accomplished. Conquering a land of giants. We are it. How arrogant to think. There's a danger, though, and finally this morning... There's a danger in forgetting whose God it is that provides for us. Verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Remember the Lord. Remember. Bring to, mem to your memory Bring, call to attention Jehovah God, the creator, the sustainer, the provider, the sovereign. Remember him who brought them out of slavery. That's who they were to remember. This is the same God who rescued you, the same God who provided for you all of these years in miraculous ways every single day who has brought you into a land of prosperity, a land flowing with milk and honey. It was their God that gave them power to make wealth. It was their God and his promises that brought them to this promised land. And I think the same can be said of us as children of God this morning. It's God who's delivered us from our sin. It's by grace you've been saved, amen? 
That's why Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that no one can boast in your salvation. Because it was the grace of God that showed up. You, were, you believed in Jesus. And you believed in what he did on the cross for you. And you had nothing to do with it. You couldn't do anything with that. You couldn't take any uh, ownership of Jesus' work. You can't, you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't add anything to what Jesus did. It's all by grace. It's all the work of God. We are just called to receive the gift. So that no one can boast. God is the one who's provided for us. God's given us His Holy Spirit, hasn't He? He indwells us permanently. It's His strength that, that helps us live life and get through the hard times and overcome difficulties and struggles. It's our God and His promises that will usher us into His presence one day. It's all about God. Here we are today in 2022. We are in a land flowing with milk and honey. We are in a, a land of, of prosperity and abundance in America. And I just see a parallel. We are in America. This is one of my favorite pictures. Ronald Reagan on a dinosaur with a machine gun and a bazooka and an American flag. Is there anything more American than that? I mean, let's just say. Some would differ. I should have put a different one up there for America, guys. We got it good here, don't we? Do we have it good in America? We still do. Yeah, we got our problems, and yeah, you know, it's probably not going the direction we uh, all hoped it will go. But guess what? We have an abundance. We have freedom. Do you remember where you came from? Do you remember where God has brought you to where you are today? all these years, are you, do you feel like you're still learning the lessons in the hard times of life? Are you remembering whose power it is that allows you to prosper today? It's God who allows us to make wealth. He gives us the breath in our lungs, right? Doesn't Colossians tell us that everything is held together by God? That's what we need to remember. It's our God who's seeing us through, who's providing for us. I don't know if you know the, um, the history around the word Ebenezer. We just sang about that this morning, and it made me, and I went and grabbed my, my Ebenezer stone. Ebenezer just means stone of help in the Old Testament. Samuel, I think, erected an Ebenezer stone when God delivered him and the nation and gave them victory. And he erected an Ebenezer stone. I don't know how big it was. Sometimes you see a pile of stones, but it's a stone of help. Ebenezer means God was my help in this time. And last week, if you remember, we uh, took some time to just open up and just share how has God seen you through some hard times of life? Well, this morning is how has God blessed you in the good times? And so I want to take just a few minutes again in closing this morning. How has God helped you in the good times? I want you to be thinking about that. How has God's gracious provisions in the good times of life helped you? I've mentioned some this morning, how God's rescued me and my family, the things that he's done. Uh, I remember, you know, one particular time, April 1st, 2021, of all days, April Fool's Day. 
we have seasons and times of struggle. Maybe some times are longer than others. Maybe you're going through a time of, of hardship. Sometimes the holidays are a tough time. Around this time, uh, March if, uh, last year, just, just a, another season of struggle for me. I hope it's okay that I share with you that I struggle. Sometimes, you know, there's the temptation to not share times that I've struggled because you think, well, are people going to lose confidence in me as a leader, right? Well, am I embarrassing myself? You know, uh, it's hard, isn't it, to share things that you've struggled? But I want you to know that um, that's just part of the Christian life, especially when you're trying to live for the Lord, you're trying to do good. You will suffer persecution. We talked about that this morning in ABF. I don't know if I've mentioned that, but you should come. April 1st, I remember just struggling with contentment. You know, I had everything. I have an abundance. I mean, my life is good. I've everything I could possibly want. I mean, I'm still that way today. But yet, I was going through this hard time, this struggle, spiritual struggle. And I, I was just in this funk. And then God just kind of, you know, through prayer and just through opening up the word and just asking God to help and to restore my joy and restore my heart. God did it. And I remember him really just speaking to me at that time, so much so that I thought, God has given me a newfound joy and a new sense of contentment. I wrote contentment on the top of my Ebenezer stone. I grabbed a stone and I wrote 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And I just, God just told me, Gary, just be content with me. Just be content with who I am and all that I am for you, all that I've done for you. And I just remember that time. And I made an Ebenezer stone because it was so profound in my life. So I have this in my office to remind me uh, God's gracious provisions in the good times. You know, God is blessed in so many ways. And I want to continue to bless the Lord in the good times of life. How has he blessed you? How has he provided for you? Just a few minutes this morning, if you want to just stand where you are, you don't have to stand, but just speak up. What are some of the gracious provisions of God that you would like to just thank him for this morning? I think the message here over the last couple of weeks, folks, has just been gratitude. We need to be grateful. We need to be good stewards of all that God's given us. We need to be thankful people. And we need to bless the Lord because we have an abundance. Father, thank you for this morning. And we, we could go days and maybe weeks uh, just recounting the blessings from your hand in our life. Thank you for the testimonies this morning that were shared. Thank you that Jesus was exalted. God, that you are glorified this morning because we understand that it is your power it is your might it's your presence it's your grace it's your mercy it's all because of you lord help us to humble ourselves to be grateful to be dependent and to live every day as if it were thanksgiving we thank you lord in jesus name amen